It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Of course, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery, and it is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. And every Thursday before Giant Home Games, we have the pleasure of talking to Super Bowl champion and former Giants great quarterback, now CBS analyst. You can find them on their pregame show every Sunday. That is Phil Sims, and Phil joins us in the Sims Spotlight, which is presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. Phil, welcome back to the show, man. Hope you and yours are surviving the snow up there. Well, yeah, we got lucky up here in my part of the uh, area, I guess you would say. Not We didn't get near, John, what you got. We got about, I'm going to say five inches, so uh, it was very fortunate, glad just to keep the mess down, but whatever. I hope you guys are doing well, and you've recovered from last Sunday's game. And we'll talk uh, going forward here. So what's going on? Yeah. It's playoff weather, Phil. Playoff weather. Yeah, you know, I look at days like today, and I just go, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going out to practice. <laughs> it's, just, it's the worst. <laughs> Games are one thing, but the practice in cold, windy weather and all that stuff and all the time, you know, week in and week out sometimes, it's. It, it, I can remember going, man, well, they built the, you know an indoor facility with the New York Giants. And you know when they built it? Paul? Yeah. The year after, after I left. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, I was a little jealous of that. But so, so what's going on? Well, I could tell you, Phil, you're lucky because Joe Judge will bring his team outside no matter what the weather. Oh, so sure. He doesn't care. But unfortunately, the team is working remotely today. They're not going to have practice. And that's because of the, no- the, new, the noise, the news that hit this morning where the Giants, unfortunately, found out that offensive coordinator Jason Garrett tested positive for COVID-19. And we found out that Freddie Kitchens is going to call the plays on Sunday night. So bring us through this, because obviously Jason was on Zoom meetings this morning. We just heard from head coach Joe Judge. He, he said as much. He did the game plan with Joe Judge and his assistants on Monday and Tuesday, but it'll be a different play caller on the headset with Daniel Jones on Sunday. So how does that change things for a quarterback, whoever it ends up being? We'll talk about that too. For Daniel Jones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, I don't think it changes much, uh, really. Uh, Freddie Kitchens has called plays before, so that helps. He's been there all year, uh, knows the system, knows how Jason calls plays, knows what to expect, all those type of things. So I I just don't see it being a big change where it's going to upset people, like get the quarterback, whoever it is, and just go, oh, I don't know what he's going to do because I'm just not familiar with him. I just don't think that'll be the case. Yeah, it's, it's, of course, always hurts to lose your coordinator, but I think Freddie Kitchens will be up for the task, and, and he'll know what to do and how to call the game just because he's been there all year and watched the players play. Phil, let's address the Jan- Daniel Jones situation. Uh, we know he's listed with a sprained left ankle. We also know that he's dealing with that right hamstring uh, issue, and that, yep. of course, is a couple of weeks old. He's only had one full practice. That was last Friday since the initial hamstring injury occurred against Cincinnati. So I guess my question to you is, based on physical limitations of the kinds of injuries that we're talking about, 
How much would he have to prove to you to want to put him on the field Sunday in this in this ball game against Cleveland? A lot. I mean, he, he really would have to be just dynamic in practice. In other words, I really want to see it. Uh, did he get lucky enough with that hamstring and everything didn't get set back too much? Because I just don't think it's uh, he can play his game. Uh, it was very evident almost from the start watching the game, the fact that he didn't move. Uh, I'm not saying I could tell a difference just watching it on TV. I watched it on tape. Sometimes hard to tell. Was a zip on the ball, all that. But, you know, when you're now you're talking about two injuries. And we're not talking about be 100% and all that. And it, it, it does affect you. You think about it a little bit. You can't be the same person, so you try to make adjustments. Sometimes those are hard because the defense is not going to let you make those adjustments. So um, I'm not saying the Giants sit him back. Look, they, they're thinking playoffs, they had to take the chance, uh, whatever, but it didn't work, and uh, he definitely was hindered in the game. And many things, it just wasn't Daniel Jones why they lost the Arizona Cardinals. There's a list, I got a list of, you know, 15 things here, <laughs> and it was a big setback, I think, for the Giants. Not the fact that they lost, but it's just the fact that they really never, I felt like they were competitive in the game where you thought, oh, they can turn this around here somewhere in the second half and win this game. It just uh, They got dominated by the Arizona Cardinals. If I can follow up, Phil, and I agree with you, there was a litany of things that went, went wrong the other day. It was a total snowball from the very first series against Arizona. But from what you saw of Colt McCoy the previous week against Seattle, if the Giants are able to, to get their game plan implemented and, and at least they're competitive and doing the kinds of things that they have to do aside from the quarterback – what were your impressions of what McCoy did against the Seahawks and your thoughts about how he could move forward against the Browns? Well, I thought he played really well, you know, for a backup quarterback. And I don't mean to, to, to disparagingly, I don't mean it that way. I thought he did his job. You know, he was very conscious of the score of the game, uh, knowing who he was playing and, and just kind of managing the game that way. And then, you know, making a few plays, a few throws, and I thought it was very good. I think the fact that uh, Colt McCoy is healthy and all that, it keeps his head clear. He's had some action. So, you know, he, he won't be the same guy. You would expect him to be a little freer and actually better because now he has confidence that he's led the team to a victory against a good Seattle team out there. Now, going against Cleveland, look, there's plays to be made. Uh, they are a very good pass-rushing team. But the defense, by a whole, you know, you can run the ball, I think, on Cleveland. I don't care what the numbers say. I watch them every week and just go, that was what really worries me about them as I, I see them. Uh, they have explosion on their offense, but you can throw it. You know, if you can protect the quarterback even decently, you can move the ball against this Cleveland defense, which we've seen this year. You know, Phil, I, I talked to Rodney Harrison, who's, who has the uh, pregame show on NBC earlier today for our Giants Huddle podcast, and I asked him about those two edge guys, right, Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett on their defense. And he said, look, and he saw it last week against Baltimore. He thought that Baltimore's offensive line, when they ran the ball right at him, manhandled Miles Garrett a little bit. And he thinks that's, yeah. what, that's what you have to do. Is that your read on it, too, how you try to neutralize those two defensive ends? Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, Olivier Vernon's undersized. Miles Garrett is not that he's undersized, but he's not what I call a really – you know, he's long, tall, great pass rusher, but, you know, he's trim, and his game is about speed. Uh, you know, the, the guy that's really 
played really well for him is inside is Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been terrific this year. What a great pickup and to to go along with the other ones. But yeah, you know, run the ball straight at them. That's uh, the teams can do that. You saw Baltimore do it. Baltimore had a few really neat running plays against Cleveland. Cleveland really never adjusted. And I say this: some of the things they did, the Giants. I've seen, uh, uh, you know, something that's, that resembles what Baltimore was doing, but that they have the linemen. Colt McCoy is mobile enough, or you can use Colt McCoy in the running game. I think some, just because of what the, we saw from Lamar Jackson and and the Baltimore Ravens. So, really interesting matchup there. Uh, I thought really not to you know disappointed in the Giants' offensive line, just where I thought, man, they're really moving forward. I was really excited about it, all that. And then just to, just like I said, a big setback in many ways last week by a few of the players and just the team overall. Yeah, you know, and, Phil, uh, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on that point, and uh, this is kind of a question that we got from the fans. They wanted to ask a question about Jason Garrett, which really isn't relevant now. So I'm going to kind of – make a left-hand turn here, and can I ask it to you this way? We saw last week what happens when the Giants get out of their formula, right, in terms of their offense. How if they don't play with the lead and they can't run the ball and the other team then knows they're going to pass and then the offensive line falls apart. So is there a way here for the Giants to maybe open up this offense a little bit? And when I say open up, I just mean take a few more shots down the field, get the ball into guys' hands while they're on the move to create some more chunk plays while not exposing that offensive line so you have an eight-sack performance like the Cardinals had last Sunday? Well, you know, it's all good thinking, uh, you know, but they are what they are. Yeah, they play well from ahead and do all these things because now they can dictate. So they're not good enough to overcome some of those factors, and that's just the way it is, you know. And and that's not going to change really this year because it's too late and the the, – uh, personnel is what it is. Terrible field position last week, which really hurt an offense when you're trying to maybe get some even easy scores or easy um, uh, positions to do it. I thought the receivers had a really hard time getting open and no getting away. Separation. No, no separation. No separation. So you're saying this, you know, throw the receivers and catch them on the run and everything. Well, if they can't separate, then we're not going to see these kind of plays that you want. And then throwing downfield, if they can't separate going across the field, why are they going to separate going down the field? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's the same thing. He threw two passes. Uh, Golden Tate didn't win the contested catch the first time. He won it the second time. But, um, you know, it just I, – all I can say is Arizona was all over the giant receivers in the game just to be really uh, – just to put it in a big package or whatever. The Giants really struggled getting open. Daniel Jones, we've already said – didn't wasn't able to run that might have helped to give you some easy completions moving of the quarterback is such a big deal and i've said this so many times about daniel jones but you don't have to be fast if you just move out of the pocket or step up in the pocket and move receivers in this league come open on every team and because they get the reroute or do whatever and the defender it's impossible for them to really reroute and stay with these guys so you know, I, I that doesn't happen as much with the Giants as we probably like. Well, that that's because the rush is just really too close to the quarterback to give him an opportunity to have those decisions to make so he can move and then make something happen on the run. 
Phil, that's a great stepping point to go over to the other side of the ball because even though the Browns are a run-heavy team with Chubb and Hunt, there's no question that Baker Mayfield is able to buy some time and escape a lot of pressure and then make throws. And, you know, at times he looks very deadly. At other times uh, that inconsistency really shows up. Well, you know, he's been inconsistent in some really, really tough conditions uh, and all that. You know, when I, I, again, you know, I don't do every team and watch them every week, but Cleveland's such a humble, you know, Cleveland's a national team. The Browns, the Browns. Baker Mayfield, whatever. But so I watch him a lot and, and everything. And listen, he's throwing the ball much better this year. He's not overthrowing, which he did last year. Got him in all kinds of trouble. I mean, Baker, how hard do you have to throw the ball? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He can, hey, did you see the throw uh, at the, what was it, at the end of the game? Or, or, or I can't remember. He threw it 70 yards. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he had a running start and he was throwing the javelin, but he still he threw it out the back of the end zone, which was, you know, really impressive. But He's quicker than you think. That's what he is. His first step or two is very quick. They love to get him outside the pocket. Just because they run it so well, he gets out there easily. The Giants, even last week, they struggled against Kyler Murray at times, of course. But I thought their defense overall was still very disciplined, stayed in position. But the mobile quarterback and and just talent and all that kind of did him in a little bit. You know, Kyler Murray, he doesn't throw it unless he thinks they're wide open. Otherwise, he moves. You know, he made a great play for the touchdown throw in the back of the end zone by backpedaling and things like that. So they'll have some of those problems or things to look at this week. And Cleveland has got their team down. They know what they are in defense. They surely know what they are in offense. And they've made great strides. Their offensive line is really playing well. They're great run blockers. And, you know, they're pretty good at the pass blocking, too, because the run, the run game is so powerful. When Baker gets space and time, which he does on dropbacks and the boots, uh, especially in the last three, four games, look, he's dangerous because he's looking for big plays. He's not looking to check it down. He's looking to, you know, for the for the chunk plays, and it's just going to be something the Giants. That's probably the number one thing to me. They got to do is don't let Baker get out of the pocket too much and fire the ball down the field and have these two or three play drives. Yeah, and Phil, and much like the Giants, everything the Browns do on offense, and you referenced this, is their run game. You know, they, they, they brought that run game over from Minnesota. They run that outside zone. They have two excellent running backs with two different skill sets. But I want to start with Nick Chubb, and then you can take it wherever you want because not enough people mention this guy with, you know, the Dalvin Cooks and the Derrick Henry. But the Giants defenders better put their big boy pants on in this oh. game if they want to tackle this dude because he will run through you, and it's not just like a five-yard gain then either. This is like a 60-yard run after he breaks like four tackles. He is really, really good. Well, yes, he is. And listen, Kareem Hunt is not much different than him, really. I mean, everybody thinks they have such really different styles. Kareem Hunt is bigger than he was in Kansas City. He runs with more power than he did there. And, of course, he's running on different offense in the run game. Uh, their run game has got a little more – it's just not one-sided. It's not, oh, we're running this yep. one play that Mike Shanahan made famous, the zone, and, <laughs> you know, and it's just run it every play. No, they, they do more than that. And Nick Chubb, when you guys are going to be there or you watch the game, just look at his legs. No, the tree I mean, trunks. I the tree trunks. I would hit his ankles. I wouldn't even think about hitting him anywhere else. <laughs> and, and this is a true story. I don't know if I'd said this, but I watched him. Oh, what game was it? Where were they playing? They had the white uniforms on. They were down in Jacksonville. 
and he made a cut to the left. It was a great cut. Going, boom, there's the hole, shoots through it. And they had those old brown uniforms on, the all-whites with the everything. Yeah. And, of course, I grew up as a Browns fan in Louisville, Kentucky. That was the local team for Louisville then. There was no Cincinnati Bengals. So I was a big Jim Brown fan. And there he is, running down Nick Chubb. And I looked, I went, oh, my God, he looks like Jim Brown. Wow. And I swear, you know, the look, the move, the, you know, that leg movement, whatever. And I just kind of laughed. I go, wow, what a flashback of being young and watching the Cleveland Browns and Jim Brown. So You just hey, gave Paul DeTino some He's the real deal, the and you made a great point. He <laughs> should be mentioned in the same name as those other running backs. Paul, you all right over there? Uh, I just had to pick myself up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, Phil, because I'm going to call up Sam Huff to play this weekend. Well, what, 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 what do you mean? Why would you pick yourself? Oh, because I compared him to Jim Brown? I mean, that's that's pretty high compliment right there. Well, you know, I'm not saying he is. I think Jim Brown, you know, I've said it. I, I Of course, I'm bias i think he's the greatest player ever so but uh but you'll, you'll see it, it really is that he is a outstanding running back i even say this the new england patriots took sony michelle they were trying to decide mm-hmm. two georgia running backs and look at the difference now nick chubb compared poor sony michelle of course has had injury problems and all that so but nick chubb is really he he's we talk about oh well we used to Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, this and that. It's Nick Chubb. It's the running back. It's the offensive lines. It's their tight ends. And then, of course, Jarvis Landry, the main key to their passing game on, on the outside. But a really good offense. Try to contain it. And the Giants, they won't be able probably to play so conservative on offense. They'll probably have to you know reach out there and start taking not taking chances, but be a little aggressive and, and maybe catch Cleveland off guard a little bit because Cleveland – just got done with an extremely emotional game, and it's there. They think they're going to win it. They're, they're in whatever. You lose those kind of games, you, you got to look out the next week that you don't come out flat, especially against a team that has a losing record. So it'll be interesting to see. Phil, there's one overlooked, often overlooked aspect to this game that I think has to be in the Giants' favor to, for them to, to really have a good shot here, and that is – They've been so consistent on special teams through the first 10 weeks of the season, and then the last three weeks they have totally fallen apart. Now, understanding what Joe Judge is and his mission going into the year and how good they were earlier, how surprised were you at the fact that that unit really crumbled? And and personally, I look at the Browns' special teams, and that's been a real weakness for them. I think the Giants have to win that third of the game to have a chance. You know, it's really interesting you say that, and I – I repeat myself sometimes because I talk a lot about football, but Joe Judge talked more to Bill Belichick before games than any coach I've ever seen. They'd always stand near the goal line, and they'd be talking, and go, well, how many situations are they going over about special teams? And, I mean, they were going down to the, you know, whatever. They, had, they were talking about what to do in the Super Bowl against the Rams because the roof was open, and there was like a three-mile-an-hour wind going down the field. Should we kick off? Should we take the ball? What should we do? And they had like a five-minute discussion on this thing with, with the officials. But I learned this from Bill Parcells. When he went to the Jets, I just remember he just said, to fix the team, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to be really good on special teams. That's what we're going to do first. Because, you know, we're not going to lose games there. We're going to do it other ways. And so the Giants kind of in that same position. They need their special teams to be really good. I know they focus on it a great deal. And uh, that has got to set up the whole team. 
and it, it, it's always overlooked. It's overlooked by us on TV because of time limitations, whatever. But, you know, you just can't give away field position or points or things like that. You need to win those battles. And what did I hear when the Rams were playing New England? I guess Bill Belichick told the announcers, look, we have a big edge in special teams. We've got to take advantage of it. And, you know, you look back at that game, they did not. So they had no chance to win just because they knew that was their ace in the hole to get it done. And the same thing holds true for the Giants. Final question, Phil, before we let you go. Give me your handicapper perspective on the NFC East here. With three games to go, Washington obviously in the driver's seat, but the Giants and even Philadelphia not that far behind. No, um, I, I tell you, the the just watching the Eagles, I, I did get a chance to watch all the teams. Watching the Eagles play, their offense and defensive lines were really, really good. They played extremely safe, kind of on both sides of the ball. But when your offense and defensive line are dominating, which they did, um, you know, against the New Orleans Saints, you know, I just wonder, you know, I'm going to talk a lot, did the Saints know that Jalen Hurts could run? I mean, my <laughs> gosh. Just Jalen, oh, I think I'll just keep it and roll out here to the left and just keep running and trotting for our 20-yard gain. And it was really funny. I'm not going to get into names. But somebody was responsible a couple times for letting him get outside the pocket on just a, this simple zone read. They've got it. He gets outside, and I go, oh, my, that's the third time. Well, I didn't see him for two quarters. And that's – so we the, – the player that let him outside sat on the bench because you can only take so much of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but I was really overall really impressed with the Eagles on both sides of the ball. So the whole thing is going to be interesting to see how it comes down the stretch. Washington, all they got to do – Last week is not turning over on the other side, and but they did, the 49ers, and Washington took advantage of it. Their defensive front played to that. And take no chances as a quarterback. Know who you are. You're going to win it ugly, you hope. Low scoring, all that favors the Washington uh, football team when you talk about them. Phil, thank you so much. We're not going to talk to you until after the holidays. We'll have a Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday. And we're going to talk to you before the Giants' final regular season game against the Dallas Cowboys. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, Merry next Christmas, time we man. talk, it's going to be in great spirits because we're going to talk about good things. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Phil. Right, thank you both. Have that, a good day. That's the great Phil Sims. Of course, you can check him out on CBS on Sunday. And, of course, don't forget that the Sims Spotlight was presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug and tea proudly. This is good Bigelow weather, folks. So go out there, get your tea. If you like the green variety, get your green tea. Sip it up. Get warm because it is nasty outside. Uh, Paul Dottino, good spot from Phil Sims as always. Always yep. good to talk to him. Um, a real pleasure. Now, I want to get to this in just a second. Uh, we do have some Joe Judge sound from his press conference today, which was started about five minutes before the show. And since we had Phil off the top, we couldn't take it live. But we have his first uh, – let's see how much of it I have here. I have his first four minutes and 30 seconds where he addresses some of the issues with Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchen. So we'll play that back in a second. But first, give me your takeaways from what we learned from Phil today. Well, you know, it's very obvious um, that everybody was disappointed by the Giants game against Arizona. And I think it, it, from listening to Phil, he seemed very surprised because I think he had also become a believer, like so many others, that the Giants had fixed a number of their woes. And we were all kind of caught off guard. Obviously, you know, Daniel Jones was not right. We all figured that out pretty quickly. 
But there were so many other facets to the game, John, and, and I know you and I mentioned this too. We were very disappointed to see how special teams, again, was, was floored for the third straight week. Don't understand that and can't, can't see that happening again this week. And then, quite frankly, you know, it, the offensive line was just like, wow. They just took a huge step back. Yeah. And, I th- you know, for Phil to be – as frank and honest and to share those same shocking revelations just goes to show you how much the Giants had convinced all of us that so many of their wrongs had been righted before. Well, look, everything's interconnected, Paul, and I don't want to rehash that game again. We've done it for three days already, but everything's interconnected. So you have the turnovers, which they haven't been doing. You get behind in the game, which you haven't been doing. That changes your formula on offense. That exposes the offensive line, which leads to sacks. So all that stuff gets connected, and it's a slippery slope. Once that first big thing with the turnovers goes wrong, it sort of explodes in other areas and then other weaknesses get exposed and the Giants that didn't play as well as as the week prior to that you know that's part of it too the execution just simply wasn't as good so you put all that together and and that's kind of how you get where you were In, in short John their entire checklist of things that they had to do to win the game was left empty by the end of the day. Right, and again, it's not it's not individual items. They're all connected to each other, right? Yeah. So once one goes wrong, the other one has a chance to go wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games. Once again, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. All right, let's see if I can get this up here. This was Joe Judge speaking to the media earlier today. It's about four minutes worth folks and he'll talk a little bit about what's going on with jason garrett with jason uh can you tell us is how this came about this morning is he did he come was he experiencing symptoms or how did this all come about yeah i'm not going to go into anyone's personal health uh what i would say is this is we found out last night through the uh test results that we had a positive uh immediately we made sure all the coaches that were in the building became isolated in their offices uh, we did an immediate, you know, tracker on the uh, tracings through the devices. We found out, you know, who was at risk, who wasn't. We were very fortunate to find out we had no high risks and we had uh, almost minimal contacts as well. So, you know, it was, you know, definitely a fortunate situation in terms of where we're standing right now. Uh, we took precaution today and changed the schedule. We did an early morning meeting through Zoom. Really, we've been doing that on Thursdays anyway. So the morning for us was really the same. Instead of practicing this afternoon, what we'll do is bring the players back into a Zoom meeting from 3 to 5.30, and we'll go ahead and get a jump start on tomorrow's install along with some extra tape on the Browns. So we're going to use this as a good mental day and prepare, make sure we get some good organizational work between units with communication. We'll take advantage of everything you know afforded to us, and we'll get back on the field tomorrow. Joe, how is it? I think it's a wake-up call for some of us who maybe you cover you guys and haven't seen it with you guys. How is it that you guys don't have – uh, Jason wasn't around anybody for, you know, whatever it is, 15 close, 15 minutes or five minutes consecutively. How is it that you guys are able to do that? Yeah, listen, we stress spacing continuously throughout the day. The way our meeting rooms are set up, we've converted our indoor facility into uh, the meeting rooms. So it's given us a lot of space to spread out. So even when you're in meetings, you're spread out continuously. You know, we do a good job when anytime we have any kind of a walkthrough on our feet, we're masked and with those clear shields over top of us for extra protection. You know, we make sure that we just keep our distance throughout the day. We segment times when players are available to use the locker room. We make sure we structure meetings, that there's an even flow of guys that go into the cafeteria to grab food. We keep small groups in the weight room. We make sure we monitor who's in the training room at all times, and we just make sure we don't overpopulate areas. 
the one thing we've been told continuously throughout this whole process from the league is it's all about spacing and avoiding crowds. We've made an emphasis this entire year on doing that. So whether it's in the meetings, you know, we make sure that everything's set up accordingly. If we're at practice, we're constantly moving around and keeping guys spread out. The players are not involved with that play at that time. They may be out. We make sure the position groups are spread out and watching. And we just try to keep everybody moving as much as continuously possible to avoid these, you know, long-standing contacts. Zach. Hey, Joe. Um, with uh, with Freddie Kitchens, um, I'm wondering, uh, do you anticipate anything looking? I mean, obviously, it's a short amount of time anyway, but do you anticipate the offense looking any different with them calling plays? And and then you, you obviously have a long history with Freddie. I'm just curious, like, what made you want to bring him on to the staff when you were putting it together? Yeah, I've worked with Freddie. I've worked against Freddie. He's a tremendous coach. Freddie has a great rapport with the players in the building. He really connects with people. Um, I think Freddie is a very intelligent and very smart football coach. He does a great job of really identifying scheme. He's a tough fundamental coach as well. I think you see from his players, they improve and they really respond to him on a personal level, which carries over their performance on the field. Um, you know, in terms of Freddie calling plays this week, look, it's really been a cooperative effort throughout the season anyway with the offensive staff along with the defensive staff. We all work together on the same page. You know, we've built in opportunities through training camp and practice periods this season where different coaches had to call plays just for this exact situation. So this is something we've been preparing for, as I explained to the players again this morning. Listen, starting in the spring when we start out on Zoom, this is nothing new to us, and it's not unique. You know, missing a day of practice this is not something unique in the league this year. It's something as business is being done, you just have to be able to make sure you don't lock your knees and keep on moving forward. You know, our guys have been done very well through virtual learning. Uh, you know, Jason was still very involved this morning in the Zoom meetings with the team, uh, just as he would have been if he was in the building. So, you know, we've stayed everybody connected in terms of calling the plays. Freddie's more than capable. Again, I've been on staffs where he's called the plays. I've been on staffs where he's called the plays against us. And I can tell you from experience going into playing Cleveland last year, one thing you had to tell the players repeatedly throughout the week was, you know, how explosive that team could be, you know, how schematically sound they were, and they were going to look to find mismatches on you. So, you know, look, I have all the confidence in the world in Freddie, along with all of our coaches on the staff. That's head coach Joe Judge talking about the situation with Jason Garrett testing positive for COVID-19. Freddie Kitchens will be calling the plays on Sunday. And, Paul, just your thoughts on this to me, and I this is why I asked Phil the question. I, look, I guess some things might look a little bit different on game day, but it's the same playbook. Jason Garrett's involved in the meetings. He put together the game plan. Uh, Joe Judge, I'm sure, will have a, you know, in input in terms of how they go about their plays and their general offensive approach. So I don't think we're going to see anything that looks remarkably different on Sunday night. That's just I, me, though. Yeah, I, no, no, I, I would agree with you. And and let's not forget, you know, Freddie Kitchens, over the course of his lengthy football career, has coached virtually all the different positions on offense. So he understands, you know, all the different idiosyncrasies that, that have to be in place for the kinds of things that you're trying to do. I mean, currently this year he's the Giants' tight ends coach. But he's been a head coach in this league. He's been an offensive coordinator in this league. In fact, I'm pretty sure as, as I go back, he was a quarterback's coach at one time, uh, was a running back's coach another time. I think the only thing that he hasn't actually done is coach the offensive line. But he's handled all the other positions on offense at one time or another. So I do think he can relate to what it is that the Giants are trying to do in their playbook and, and the guy's ability to do it. And I'm sure there can still be interaction. Uh, I, I don't think this, uh, no disrespect to Jason Garrett, but I don't think this is such an uplifting earthquake type experience that it's going to force the Giants to be discombobulated. 
No, I agree. I don't think there's any reason to think that that's going to happen either. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. All right, let's go to the calls here and say hello to Scott in New Mexico. He will lead us off. Scott, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What's up? Hi. Uh, it does, I agree with both of your points. I don't think it's going to make one iota of difference if Freddie Kitchens is the offensive coordinator. The one constant with the Giants has been that they don't score. Uh, I think they have a total of 21 offensive touchdowns for the whole year. Yep. So my question to you is, you know last week Washington didn't score a touchdown, but I think they accumulated 23 points against San Francisco, and it's all defense-motivated. Can the Giants, in their present form, looking at the roster, can Patrick Graham motivate this team to have a dominant, dominant, defensive plan against a team like Cleveland, which has a lot of weapons. And if they can do that, which I think he can do, and as we talked a couple of weeks ago, John, I thought in the Seattle game they had to keep uh, Seattle under 24. I think in this game they'll probably have to keep uh, Cleveland to 21 points if they're going to have any chance. Can the defense really sort of pick it up and, and play the performance of their lives? Because that's what I think – uh, they're going to need because the Giants don't, haven't replicated any place during the season that they can actually score points. And so when you're under that kind of, uh, I guess it's a disadvantage, uh, the defense has to come up. Hopefully special teams will, will, as Paul, you were illuminating, has to play much better if they have any chance at all. But can they, uh, based on the personnel they have now, can they have a, a dominant defensive performance like no other in the season, because I think that's what they need in order to beat Cleveland. I'll be, be glad to take these answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. And, and I think that's an interesting matchup, Paul. I really do, because Cleveland is not the team that you want to try to force into a bunch of mistakes, because, frankly, they play a rather conservative brand of offense, much like the Giants do. They run the ball. Um, I had the numbers in front of me. I'm not sure if I have them right now. I think I might have brought that sheet into the other room. But I think they were the second highest run percentage on first and 10. Oh, okay. First and 10. I was going to say overall they were at 51%, which is third in the NFL. Right. And and same difference, right? They're one of the heaviest run teams in the league. There's no doubt. You know, a lot of their pass plays come off of play action, rollouts. You know, they're not sprinting it out and chucking it around a million times a game here, right? So... This is going to be a tough game for the defense to force the takeaways and the turnovers like they did during that four-game winning streak when they had those 10 takeaways in those four games. That, to me, is going to be hard. Now, look, the Browns might have some fumbles. You can try to punch the ball out, all that sort of stuff. That's great. But the Browns are generally a team that has kept their turnovers down in terms of their approach and how they want to play. So I think that's going to be tough. But do I think the Giants can limit the Browns' big plays? Yes, but it really just comes down to whether or not they can stop this run game, Paul. And that's going to determine, really, the whole enchilada here in terms of how they limit this Browns' offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think they were really, really, really good defensively against Cincinnati. I think they were really good defensively in the Philadelphia game the week before. When I, if, Correct me if I'm wrong, John. I think Philly was 0 for on third down. Uh, th- um, that was either that game or the game prior, but, yeah, something like that. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was the Philly no, game. No, yeah, I that, think you're right. It was. Yeah, I think they were 0 for 11 or 0 for 9. 0 for, 0 for 10, maybe? Yeah, maybe? something like that. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. So back-to-back stellar defensive efforts, even though, you know, the, obviously the Bengals game – 
you know, got a little scary there at the end. Well, but, and they were know. dominant against Seattle. Obviously, they held them to five points in the first half. Dominant against, yeah, and uh, and I'll even go back, but you know, it's way, way long ago, and I've said a thousand times it's not the same team. But I thought the defense played extremely well against the Rams. So they've put forth some very strong, exemplary defensive efforts this year. But here's the thing, and and Scott makes the point off of something I said about special teams. If the Giants don't win special teams, which is really where it all starts, okay, Judge needs to know that that one of three units is automatically a win for him. And the Browns special teams are not good. So you've got to make sure that you tilt the field. It's like Arizona tilted the field the other day. John, we talked about that. Yep. Giants' average start was their own 17. Cardinals was their own 47. Yeah. You've got to tilt the field, play on the hockey power play, if you will. And that, to me, is even bigger because I think the Giants' defense can do a good enough job that they can hold up their third. But will the special teams emphatically win their job? And then what's the other factor, John? And we talk about this every single week. You can never predict turnovers. Nope. Very hard. And, you know, if if you play really good defense but you don't get any turnovers – well, guess what? You could still lose the game. Well, and that, Sometimes you just got to get that ball. Yeah, and that was the difference to me against Arizona. The Giants' defense did not play poorly against Arizona. They but they didn't create a lot of big negative plays, whether that's sacks or, you know, big. They had a couple of runs for losses, but they didn't have any, you know, takeaways, big sacks. Uh, the Cardinals didn't have one three and out the whole game. And that also, and you mentioned special teams, that along with, you know, the fact that they didn't force any three and outs. The Cardinals were getting 20 to 30 yards on their drives. Combined with the early turnovers for the Giants, that helped shape that field position battle too. So once it got tilted, the Giants' offense couldn't do enough to tilt it back the other way. So, yeah, look, I, I think the best way to get the Browns in the situations where they might turn the ball over, over is to get them into third and long. And I think that's your best shot because then they can't use that play action. They can't use that conservative way of doing things. And, well, how are you going to do that for a team that's a very heavy run team on early downs? And overall, well, you got to stop the run. So that's been a strength of the Giants' defense this year. I think this will be their biggest challenge trying to stop the run. I think it's the best offensive line they face, Paul. I think it's the best run running game combination of the two running backs that they face this year. So yeah. this will be the biggest challenge in that regard. And that's what they're going to have to do. Look, they're not going to hold the Browns to like 25 carries for 62 yards. That's probably not going to happen here, okay? But can you hold them to 25 carries for 97 yards and hold them under four yards per carry? Can you hold them, you know, don't let them go 32 carries for 160. Don't let them do that. Can you keep them under 110 and just make it, okay, it was an average running game for the Browns or a little below, you know, average by league standards, below average for Brown standards. I think that that's what you're kind of looking for here, right? Yeah, well, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are the only two teams that have held, and they did it in back-to-back weeks, the Browns under 100 yards rushing in a game. Was Chubb healthy in those games? Okay. Oh, I have not gone back to look at that. What weeks was it? I can it check was, it for uh, you. It was the middle of the season, October 18th and 25th. I believe and, Chubb and, was out those two games, but I'll check it for you. All right. They were mm-hmm. held. Pittsburgh whacked them 38-7. to and then Cincinnati got outlasted 37 to 34. So, you know, 
Chubb was out for those two games. He was out for both. Yep, he was. Okay, so with the dual threat in the backfield, they've truly yet to be silenced. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, and look, the reason they and the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league, right? And I, I haven't looked at that that Bengal game up close. I imagine the Bengals, the, the Browns are able to just able to throw the ball, but the Bengals are probably just trying to stop the run in that game. But look, they can do it all. And I look, I watched a lot of Nick Chubb getting those plays ready for uh, for Carl Banks and strategy on Giants first and ten, which you can check out on uh, Friday night and then again on Sunday morning on MSG. That dude is a beast, Paul. Beast. Yeah. There's no, there's no question. You got to gang tackle that man. The Oof. thing about him coming out of the draft was, was that the injury. He had, That's he what you're worried some, about. Yeah. He had, had some injuries in college, and that was the only thing that could potentially drop him from being, you know, maybe the second running back pick. Well, he had his, he had his torn ACL the year before his final year there, and if you went back to his season pre-ACL, he looked unbelievable. Yeah. Then the season right after the ACL, he looked good. But he didn't look like, you know, pre-surgery Nick Chubb. So you're worried, well, is he ever going to be that guy again? Well, newsflash. He is. He is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally concur with that. And, you know, great for him that he's also in a situation where the Browns want to rely on him. You know, because... Well, that's the head he, coach, right? And the system he brought from no Minnesota. No question. You know, he winds up in a, in, a, in a spot. I mean, you know... Let's face it. I mean, you know, Kitchens was coaching the team last year. But the thing is, the Browns know that Chubb is the kind of guy who is going to wear you down, and the more he gets the ball, especially later in the game, and if you've got a lead or it's close, he can just pound away. That, and, and that's what he He needs a guy who's willing to be committed to him when he's got the ball rolling downhill. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Let's go back to the phones. Call you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hey, Len, how are you, buddy? Hello, good, Len. Good, good. Hey, Paul, how you doing? All good. How are you? All right, good. Um, hey, all the best to Coach Garrett. Hope he gets back quick. Yeah, For absolutely. Sure. Um, well, and by the way, the fact that he was on Zoom meetings this morning mm-hmm. tells you that hopefully the symptoms aren't bad and they're not going to get bad. So the fact he was on those meetings this morning with the team and the players, that's a good sign. Good, good, good. Good to hear. Um, th- thanks for having Sims, Sims on. That, that's been a great spot yeah. over the season. Yeah, he's great. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. How'd you like to spend two hours breaking down tape with him? Oh, my God. That, I'll that bring would, the popcorn. That would, that would really be an experience. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, and when when he talks, he, he's talking to your level. I mean, plural. He's talking to our level. You know what I mean? He's he's not talking to other coaches. He's he's just. I mean, he's he's really good at that. He's really good at that. Well, um, you know, his reference to uh, Parcells, and we're going to make the special teams better. Um. This is obviously, I don't know if we're a playoff team, guys. You know, when we analyze it over, I don't know. But I do know this. We're in the playoff hunt. So I see this game Sunday night as just a huge game. I mean, this is, this is, this is our chance. I mean, this is how to stay in it. We've got to win this game. Even, even if, if Washington loses and we lose, 
our, our backs are against hey, the look, wall. Glenn, the bottom line, I mean, you, you might have to well, win all three games here to win this division. So every game's a must-win from here on out, man. Yeah, it just well, is. It, but it starts with Sunday, John. Of course, of course. And, I mean, it's not, it was, so sure. what I'm talking about is it starts Sunday. Because if we lose this game Sunday, John, even if the Redskins lose, man, we are, we are you know, mathematically no, we're still tough, in it. But, but it's tough. It's going to be, it's just going to be awfully tough. No, I'm with this you. Is, we got to get a win. I agree. Right, so back to, the, back to Phil and the Parcells and the special teams. We're going to start with the special teams. Um, you, you know how special teams get better, guys? You put special, better special teams players on the field. I mean, we do that with, to simplify it, we do that with a punter. If the punter's not doing well, we get a better punter. If the place kicker's not doing well, we get another place kicker. Well, if the guy's running down under the ball, and we made a change during the week, there was a fellow, I'm not going to mention his name, but we cut somebody. All right, we, we cut somebody. He was a special teams player, and yeah, I mean, he didn't play well on, last week. You, you got to get special teams players out there. For the, for, here, here's my thing for this game. It, you you want to dress 48 guys? Go ahead. It doesn't mean you have to play 48. This is a huge game. You play your. I don't care if they start, Paul. I know that's the first thing you're going to tell me. Uh, well, suppose they get hurt, then you don't have it. No, no, no. Actually, Len, I remember the days when Lawrence Taylor played special teams. Uh, listen, as far as I'm concerned, you got to pull out all the stops. All that's where I'm going for Sunday night. You know, if you only play 37 players and 11 guys sit on the bench, I don't care. Don't let special teams beat you. Don't let special teams beat you. You know, it's funny. The one thing I'll say, you know, Xavier McKinney, they wanted to work him in on special teams more, Paul. You realize his special teams role has gotten smaller and smaller. I wonder if they have not been thrilled with what he's done in those situations. Because he's probably, I mean, he probably never played that at, at Alabama, right? Or, or rarely, I would imagine. And then you have Coughlin, to your point, Len. He's been playing a lot more defensive snaps. And then a guy that people don't really know, but Madre Harper was a core special teamer for this team. He was yeah. a big part of what they did, and he missed yeah. that game last week. He was hurt. So I think that was a part of the issues last week as well. Listen, the one thing about Madre Hopper that you could count on, that is one tough dude. Oh, I mean, when that guy hit you, you got, you, you got hit, and he looked like he relished the part. And that, that's what I want to see on the field. I mean, pull out, you know, Sunday night, we've got to put out all the stops here. The, the other thing is, whoever happens to, you know, get on the center, we we got to get we got to get better play out of the quarterback spot. I know that's that's the understatement of the year, but we just we have to have better play from the guy who's going on the center on Sunday night. I I, I hope it's Daniel because I, I, clearly he's the better player, uh, and so I hope it's Daniel. But if he can't play, you know, you know McCoy's got to go out there and give us give us he's got to give us some production. Um, okay, huge game. Let's win it, guys. Can't wait. Wish I could be there on Sunday night. This is why you get, I mean, games like Sunday night is why you get season tickets. Yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, uh, I mean, it's killing me that I can't get in that stadium. But, okay, hey, let's go Giants. Root them in. We'll talk next week, guys. Thank you, Len. Thanks for the time. All right, and, Paul, this is interesting. I mean, based on some of the video and some of the stuff from practice yesterday and based on how Jones was moving at the end of that game against Arizona, 
If I hey, look and I don't know anything, we'll know more. And it should be noted that they had to cancel practice today because of the you know contact tracing and everything like that. Joe Judge mentioned that in the press conference, so the guys will not be on the field today. That does back up this evaluation period for Daniel Jones now, where you have one less day out there to figure things out. So tomorrow's going to be it, and they might have to accelerate the timetable a little bit in terms of what they allow him to do. Uh, my guess is that there's more likely he's he's a game time decision if he's going to play. But there's a chance tomorrow he might just get ruled out too. And I think, you know, they said last week they'd like to know by Friday night whether or not he's going to play. So hopefully tomorrow we'll have a better idea. If you made me guess right now, I would say he probably would not. That's just based on me reading the situation. There's no inside information there at all. I have no idea. I'm going off of what everybody else is. But that would be my guess right now. Yeah, John, I would not even hesitate to guess, to be honest, because uh, I – I looked at last week, and he only had one full practice, did Daniel Jones, and that was on Friday. And we're not allowed as media to to see more than the first 10, 15, 20 minutes or so when they don't do a whole lot. And, you know, I was like maybe 50-50 last week. And then he played, and it didn't turn out so well. And I imagine you can't feel – you probably don't feel as good this week, right? I wouldn't think. How could I? Right. So I, you know, I'm 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 kind of gun shy on even making any predictions as to his availability. I'm I'm looking more, you know. I always take a coach's mentality when I go into the into the week, and I look at the opponent, and I look at the film, and I look at the matchups, and I say, okay, look, if I were the coach, what would be the paths to victory? The Parcells used to call them all the time, the paths to victory. Okay, and one of the things that I'm going to assume, okay, just because I think it's better to be safe than sorry. I'm going to assume that Colt McCoy is the quarterback. Yep. And there are going to be things that, you know, he can't do that Daniel does. He doesn't run for 20 or 25 yards when he takes off with the ball. He's not going to be really adept at throwing, you know, a 45-yard, 50-yard bomb down the field, especially out near the sideline. Okay, we know that. So I'm going to say, okay, let's put that aside. Let's assume that's the case. How can the Giants find paths to victory with all of the other elements and matchups that are going to be on the field Sunday. And that's how I'm approaching this game, John. I, I Nobody else has to agree with me. No, nobody I, else has to look at it that way. I think that's the only way you can look at it. I that, think that's Well, fair. that's how I look at it. And do I think realistically the Giants can at least be competitive in this game with all of the other elements? I think they can. But ultimately, you still are going to have to have sufficient enough quarterback play no matter who's in the game that it doesn't wind up becoming a detriment. And that's that's an unknown factor that none of us are going to know until the game is played out on Sunday. I do think there's one other thing we've forgotten to mention. That's Blake Martinez, mm. who really shocked people with a sore lower back to play. And, and basically, I think he missed like five snaps the other day against the Cardinals. Uh, coach said he was very optimistic about him this week. He came through okay. So I think it's a big deal that Martinez is not, you know, listed as a doubtful guy this week. Uh, they certainly want to have him back in the lineup. Yeah, I don't even think he was listed as limited yesterday at practice. I don't he? remember I, seeing pretty, him on the no, list at all. I'm pretty sure he was full. So That made I, me feel good. Well, I think you have to, especially against this running game. 
Blake Martinez out there playing well is essential. If he's, yeah. if he's not out there, that's a big, big problem. Oh, boy. I, I, and I appreciate what the Giants did to try to weave together a linebacking core last week, understanding that Blake going in, you know, may be limited some. And I, I look, we didn't have a chance to really dig into how what percentage he was, but I thought Blake Martinez played fine. I thought he was functional. He oh, wasn't yeah. a star in the game yeah, defensively, but, I, I didn't, but he was functional. I, I never saw him out there and said, oh, boy. Uh, right. Uh, he didn't look like a liability. No. Right? Correct. Or, and he didn't look limited to me. Like, he moved like Blake Martinez moved. Like, I he mean, didn't look different. Know, there may have been some plays that he felt he left out there, but it wasn't so noticeable that you said, oh, you know what? He shouldn't be in the game. Right. Never happened. And that's, that's a big deal. And you're right. <laughs> Against this running game? Oh, boy. Blake Martinez. And don't forget Dalvin Tomlinson who, by the way, has been really consistent, uh, done a super job of clogging up that middle. The thing is, you know, if if the guys up front are not at least holding the fort somewhat and you just tell the linebackers, look, it's going to be all on you to, to contain these guys, that's going to be a long day. Of course. Because it requires all front seven. No, look, Paul, I'm with you. 100%. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their new seasonal scratch-off games. Make sure you go out there and grab them, folks. Um, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. Let's go back to the calls. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Caller? Hello? If you're on hold, it's you. There's only one line, so if you, I heard you clear your throat. You can talk now. Caller. Okay. A little I hear shy, you, perhaps. sir. Hello. All right. Hello. Yes, there, there you, you are, are, sir. What's up? What's on your mind? Hello. John, I think we got to let him go. I think we do too. That's a shame. Yeah. He finally he got through. He might have been a first time caller too. Yeah, he was there. Bummer. Just a reminder, folks, we only have one line, so there's no call screener when I'm hosting because there's only one line and I'm on the show, so I can't screen you when you call in. <laughs> I'm not that good. Uh, so, Come on, you can have your daughter do it. Uh, yeah, she's home today, <laughs> too, by the way. So that, that's been an interesting morning, a little behind. But, uh, yeah, so when you call in, folks, I'm just going to put you right on the air. You're going to hear the hosts, and then we're going to go right to you. Okay, so let's try this one more time. Caller. You just called in, and you're hearing us right now. You're the person that I'm going to ask. What's your name, and where are you calling from? What's your hey, name? I'm Alex. Yeah, Hi. my name is Alex, and um, how you doing? I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. Hey, Alex, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind today? Hey, I'm listening to you guys, man. This is my first time calling you guys. Well, thank you. All right. There's a lot of Giants fan over here in Florida, guys, so... um. Um, but I was looking looking at the game um, against the Cardinals. What are you guys thinking about the re- the receiver? Like I, I saw, like I know the the old line was kind of like pretty bad, but Daniel Jones was like stuck in the pack for like three or four seconds, and it looked like he couldn't find no receivers the whole time. Like they they like they they were not none of the receivers were getting open. Yeah, um, yeah, Alex. Look, know, like, I, I, I look. I agree with you. I think you had different issues on different plays. I think there were some plays where there were open receivers and Daniel threw to the wrong guy or or held the ball a little bit too long. I did see some of those, but you're right. Cincinnati played tight man-to-man defense, and Phil Simms brought this up earlier in the show, Alex, uh, and they were struggling to get separation. And I think the reason that we didn't hear a lot from Buda Baker over the course of the game is because he did a really good job of taking care of Evan Ingram, who's really the Giants' best 
you know, man-on-man beater as a receiver. And Buda Baker's a pro bowler for a reason, and I think he did a really good job on him. So, yeah, I think we did see some issues from the Giants receiving core getting separation on Sunday. No doubt about it. Yeah, uh, now that you mentioned Evan Ingram, yeah, I know. I was not, I was noticing, like, wow, you know, there was not even one ball thrown to him in that game. He um, did get a late catch, so... but you're right. He was he was really not a part of what was going on, and, and that can't be, quite frankly, with a, with an offense that's already somewhat muted. They need their best offensive weapons to produce. It's actually funny. There was one play, Alex, and I only remember the play from a few weeks ago where Evan Ingram – uh, was on the left side of the field. I think it was against Cincinnati. He won deep. They got to him over the top. He like a 40- or 45-yard catch. Well, they ran that same exact play this week where they had all three wide receivers on the right side of the field. Ingram was the lone yeah. receiver on the left side. Jones took the snap, looked to his side immediately. Well, you know what? This is how teams adjust week to week. They had Justin Simmons on him underneath. They also had a safety over the top on him. So they were giving him extra attention on those passes down the field. So they were making him go elsewhere because they knew he was the toughest cover. So as teams see him do more and more, they're going to pay more attention to him. That's just how the how it goes. I will make you feel a little bit good, and that is the Browns are in the bottom five of the NFL in terms of giving up the most touchdown passes. So people have been able to throw the ball into the end zone against them this year. Hmm. And what do you guys think of, um, like, um, when Daniel Jones, like, in the whole game, why he never took off? Like, okay, uh, my thing is, like, you know, like, you see all these running quarterbacks, okay, like Lamar Jackson or or, uh, or Mahomes, you know, like, after, like, three or four seconds, why he, he stays stuck in the back instead of just, okay, it's time to take off. Three seconds, four seconds, go, you know. And it looks like he's stuck there, and that's why eventually he ends up getting sacked or – you know, saying why he's a running, he runs. Why he doesn't? I mean, it's because they tell him not to do that, or, or he's looking an extra second to see if something happened. But it seems like that extra second, he always gets sacked, or hmm. you know, he doesn't take off with like the other running quarterbacks that take off and you know get the first down or you know things like that. No, Alex, it's a fair question. I think last week specifically it had to do with the hamstring injury and he just didn't really have that in him to take off. And Joe Judge basically said that, Paul, in the postgame yeah. press conference. And Alex, thanks a lot for the call. We really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. Great to have you on board. Thank you so much for calling in. So the hamstring was part of it, but I think also just by his nature, Daniel Jones is a pocket passer. You know, he's not one of these guys that wants to run around like a lunatic and buy extra time. He wants to hang in the pocket and make a throw. So... Now, he should take advantage of his legs when it's there and get those easy yards when he can. No one's arguing that, absolutely, 100%. But last week specifically, they knew going in his mobility was going to be a little bit limited just because of the hamstring, and I think that was one of the reasons why you did not see him run like he had in games past. You know what, John? I also think there's more of a danger of him getting hurt if he does run. I actually think he's probably safer in the pocket even if he gets sacked as opposed to trying to take off. Well, you know, it's funny. The way I kind of look at that, I actually think this might be more danger of like a lower body serious injury in the pocket because, you know, guys come in, they roll your legs and stuff like that. But if you run, it does create more hits that might not be there if you stay in the pocket. So I think almost on an individual basis, Paul, if you know what I mean, like the individual hits in the pocket might be more dangerous. By running, though, you create more hits. 
if you know where I'm coming from with that answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to believe that Daniel may have learned something from Eli Manning, who was really smart about knowing when to fold in the pocket and, he, and he, absorb he, the hit. Not, he's not there yet. And no, he's not there yet, but I'd like to think that he, that he learned something by watching Eli and that maybe, you know, in this particular case, he thought that, as he was told by Joe Judge, it's okay to take some sacks here because we're right. not necessarily sure. eager to see you run. Right, because that's when you can re-aggravate that injury and you can hurt it more. And, you know, remember, too, when we were watching the game, we were unaware that he had also sprained his alternate ankle. Though I was, once I, I once they got to that second half ball and you saw him trying to move you in that fourth wasn't quarter, doing well. you could tell that something, something else was not right. Was not oh, right. So. Yeah, but we didn't know for no, sure. No, we didn't. You know. Absolutely. All right, we got one more call in, Paul. We've been taking money. I want to get this one in very quickly. Caller, yeah. we're at 1 o'clock, so you only got about 30 to 60 seconds, so let's get right to your point. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Keith from Cranford. Keith, go ahead. Uh, I just thought I'd tell you, you guys are doing a good job. And um, I, I think, uh, I, I would say Jones is going to play this weekend. I think he's a tough guy, and will he be able to do what he needs to do as well as he should? That's questionable. But I think he gives us still the, gives us the best chance to win the game. And I, I know we need to do better on special teams. Um, we got to put the best guys we have, even if they play both defense and special teams. We got to get the great guys in there and do the right job. Because this is no, every game is like the playoffs, man. <laughs> Either you're in it or you're out of it. You know, and you just got to give it the best, okay? And just got to say, go Giants. Thank you, Keith. Good stuff. Appreciate the call. And, Paul, that, that's the trick here. And Joe Judge has brought this up many times very quickly here. Daniel Jones will play if he had like, like, was, like, missing a foot. And he doesn't care. <laughs> yes, he, you're he, right. He will go out there with, like, a walker if he has to, to to play in a game. And they have to protect him from himself, which is the trick. Yeah. He is, there's no doubt he is one of those kinds of guys who will do everything he can to lobby and convince the coach that he's going to be well enough to go. Big Blue Kickoff Live was presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games. Once again, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. And remember, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show along with Giants Rewind and the Giants Huddle. I just posted up a Giants Huddle podcast with Rodney Harrison this morning from NBC. So make sure you guys go check that out. We preview Cleveland and New York, and we might have had a Super Bowl 42 mention at the end of that podcast. I, I, I think you might want to check that out. It was pretty funny. Um, go check it out. We can talk about it another day on the show because we're running out of time. But it, nice was, going, it, it was fun. So make sure you go check that out a little bit. Tomorrow, Lance and Paul have you one more time at noon. And then remember, folks, the Sunday game – Ignore your old schedules. It's Sunday night football. Uh, pre-game show on WFN starts at 6.20 with the whole crew. will be with you and then kick off at 8.20 on WFN, of course, on TV. The game will be seen nationally for your Giant fans at a market. You'll get to see them this week. We'll be on NBC. Paul, good stuff. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. Been a lot of fun, John. Hey, one more mention. Live postgame this this week. We coming back oh. to MSG live right after the game for a one-hour live postgame special. First time we've done one of those this year after doing the tape delays late Sunday night. So we look forward to seeing you folks. So, Paul, yeah, that's true. So you get the guys without a filter live. So you never know what's going to happen. Should be fun. Make sure you <laughs> check it out, folks. Be safe out there in the snow. Drive carefully. Drive slowly and stay safe out there. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Until next time, stay safe.